Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Rod Reason, co-founder and CEO of Springbuck. I had some debt that I'd never had before, but we were growing, and so we had taken on some debt, and I just got to the point where I, as Rod Reason, could not figure it out. And I'd come into the office, I'd do my devotions in the morning, and I was just on my knees, and I just cried out to the Lord, why? Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert, and I am your host here at the Bottom Line Faith Program. Well, folks, I am really excited today to uh, be in my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, have the incredible privilege of interviewing Mr. Rod Reason, who is the co-founder and CEO of Springbuck. And right now, I would just encourage you to check out their website at springbuck.com. Now, that's spring, like the time of year, and it's B-U-K. Dot com. Rod, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Thank you. Rod, tell us a little bit. You're a tech guy. You're a guy that's in the tech industry. At least that's where you are now. You've had backgrounds uh, that always hasn't been specifically in the tech world. But why don't you just start on the program today? Tell us about uh, Springbuck and what your role is there and what you guys do. It's very unique. Sure. So Springbuck is a health analytics platform. And often we say that people say, what is that? Uh So um, we're a cloud-based system that collects medical claims, pharmacy, payroll, and other data sets on the individual for the idea of helping employers combat this problem of rising healthcare costs. The genesis of this is that healthcare costs continue to rise in America, as we all know, and that's ultimately passed down to the individual um, through premium increases and other things. And we all want to increase health, so our mission is to prevent disease with data by empowering employers with good information. Well, that that sounds to me uh, like a very important work. How how are you guys specifically going about that in a way that's maybe not been done before, or what's unique about Springbook? I think one of the things that we've found is that in the middle market, where about 103,000 employers are represented, um, there are are solutions that are available to the enterprise space and to the SMB space, but nothing really to the middle market. And so what we took was enterprise sophistication and made it very simple for an average employer, HR person, CFO to be able to dig into the data. And we almost create citizen data scientists by having a very, very simple to use platform. Okay. So, um, so I'm a, a CFO in a company with say 150 employees. Okay. Walk me through what difference Springbuck is going to make to me and to my company in the bottom line. So our, our normal 
employers would be a little larger than that. So we say around 1,500 employees um, would be the normal employer. So a 1,500 employer company probably has a more sophisticated HR team, um, someone that is has been tasked with this cost pool growth of benefits. And that that's a pretty wide span, but it can be everything from the, the actual benefit cost to the overall benefit package. And we've found that uh, benefit costs are typically in that top five overall expenses behind raw goods, labor, and other things. And so employers are trying to figure out, if I'm controlling my raw goods costs, why wouldn't I be looking at data and analytics on these other pieces of my business? So we fit that that vein of being able to help solve for rising cost of healthcare by showing areas where they're already overspending. So that could be generic versus brand name medications, um, ER over expense, um, opioid risk um, reduction, and other items. So the sophistication obviously goes pretty deep. Okay, that, that's very helpful. And so you're going to get into analyzing behaviors and traits and characteristics that's going to hopefully be identified that can drive costs down. Is that? That's correct. Okay, that's that's the Ray Hilbert farm boy simple <laughs> sure. kind, of, kind of deal there. Now, your background hasn't always been in this space. I want to talk about that in just a moment, but tell us more about your role at Springbuck and how did you end up here? So I am the CEO and co-founder. Um, my background, um, I'm not sure how far you want me to go back, but I'll just take you down a quick journey there. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to think of myself as a very inquisitive individual. So um, I'm, I have teenagers and we're trying to guide them through high school and college choices. And one of the things mm-hmm. I'm challenging my 17-year-old is to is to be intellectually inquisitive. So chase the areas that you find interesting. And when you do that, you'll ultimately end up in a career that you enjoy. So I've been in business or entrepreneurship in some fashion all my life, ever since I was 13 years old, buying or getting Thomson Reuters prospectuses. Um, and I grew up in a blue collar family um, to buying wrecked cars and, uh, and flipping them in high school. So I cut hair while I was in college, sold real estate, travel, done various different things. But what led me to this space was that I was in the brokerage consultant industry, helping employers solve this various problem that we're talking about. And I was frustrated because I was pulling in all this data and using Excel and pivot tables to to do this crunching or munging of data, and it was very laborious. And so we we decided that we take a look at the industry. We found that there were some competitors in the space, but mostly in the enterprise um, industry or selling to the enterprise-sized companies. And we said, holy cow, there's an opportunity to not just bring a a solution to the middle market, but to actually bring a much more advanced, simple, easy to use, beautiful, elegant interface to that space. Okay. And so, by the way, I'm very intrigued. So from a very, very young age, you had this entrepreneurial edge or itch about you, right? And so you probably, I can't imagine you see yourself working in any environment where you're not the boss. Is that fair? So in the the... So the truth is, in in my professional career, I've had three months worth of W-2 income. Okay. Um, And that was not even W-2. It was draw, 1,500 hours a month. When I first got out of college, my boss at the time said, all right, we'll give you 4,500 hours to start. Yeah. You don't know anybody in town. Here's a phone and yellow pages. Figure it out. But we'll give you 4,500 bucks. How do you want it? You can have it all in one month. I said, well, give it to me three months and just yep. spread it out. And so that was my only W-2 income. And I had to pay back that money. So uh-huh. it wasn't even paid to me a salary. So <laughs> so you're, you're, you're at the core of the core of the core. You're an entrepreneur. Sure. Right? And so, and I'm really heading somewhere with this because that's a big part of what we're trying to do here at Bottom Line Faith is 
equip and encourage those who are entrepreneurs who love the Lord and kind of help them in that journey. And so why don't we uh, take just a little bit of time then, just give us a little framework of your spiritual journey, and then I want to begin to weave and craft that into your business career and how those have overlapped. So tell us a little bit about your walk with Christ, how that came about. Sure. So I I grew up in a first and second generation um, Christian family. My mother was saved. My dad got saved um, later in life, um, was in the military, and so he was a baby believer. And the best thing my dad ever did for my brother and I, besides the, the teaching of a work ethic, was he put us in Christian school. And he didn't have the discipline or hadn't ever been discipled, but was being discipled as we were growing up. But the best thing he ever did was put us into a Christian home. So I was saved at five. I remember hearing uh, hell being preached to me and uh, being scared at a five year, as a five-year-old boy. And I walked to the back of the room, hung on a coat rack as I was waiting for someone to come walk me through the plan of salvation. So I grew up in a Christian home. I wasn't repenting from major sin or whatever. So I had that that faith upbringing. Decided to go to a, a Christian school because my parents told me that they'll pay for my first year of college if I go to a Christian school, and I did not want to. Um, I was not at all wanting to go to a Christian school, but did, and ended up going to Bob Jones University. Um, having never stepped foot on campus before, um, showed up on the first day of school and said, wow. okay, I'll go here. My dad's going to pay for my first year, so we'll go here. Ended up spending the full four years um, at BJ. Double majored in marketing and finance. Um, at the time, they didn't have a double major ability, but I took all the elective credits for both marketing and finance. Helped start the investment club at uh, at BJ. I know you're going to hear this a lot from me, but um, <laughs> that entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, cut hair while I was at BJ. It was wow. funny because if you see my bio, you'll see that I'm bald. Um, but uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> the but I cut hair at BJ. But actually bought a BMW with the money that I made. Um, cutting hair. So um, I guess, yes, I've had the entrepreneur bug all my life. Oh, that's an exciting story. And so growing up in a, in a solid Christian home, that kind of environment and so forth, then going off to a Christian university, where and when did the whole concept of the integration of faith and work, where did that become real for you? So I knew it basically, I mean, you think about people that grew up in Christian homes, you, you graduate from you know, being a, in your family, 18 years old, it's like graduating from college or any other academic institution. So I had the academic knowledge of what it meant to look like a Christian, and I walked a good Christian life. Went to church, tithed, um, dressed like a Christian, act like a Christian, talk like a Christian, and was. I mean, I was. There's no question. I accepted Christ at five years old, but I kind of compartmentalized my Christian faith. And like a lot of folks that I know, mm-hmm. I treated my my ninety percent as my ninety percent, and my ten percent as Christ's ten percent. And that's how I lived my life. And it was um, actually when I was in my early 30s, was going through a really busy time in the business mm-hmm. um, and a really hard time that I finally got on my knees and just surrendered. It was a really tough time um, and uh, realized just through a lot of conviction and through a lot of prayer that I was not giving Christ my all. I was giving him my 10% and doing really good at my 10%, uh, but he, he did not have my 90 um, So it was that point in my mid-30s um, when I had one of my other companies and um, I just gave it all to him and realized that I'm 100% his, and yeah. I'm 100%. He didn't just 10% save me. Yeah. He 100% saved me. Yeah. So that was a big turning point for me. Yeah, and so uh, thank you. That's really pretty cool to hear. But help me understand, 
what changed? I mean, I get, I get that at like, okay, I'm going from this 10% commitment to all in commitment, but could you give an example of maybe a decision that you made or, or how you would go about your day-to-day operation of business that really reflected this all in approach? What, what changed for you? Um, we had had a really good year, and then the economy turned on a dime. Um, so this had been in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, the market took a big um, turn. We Our revenue dropped by about 27% um, in the first quarter, and I had to lay off six people. And I had some debt that I had never had before, but we were growing, and so we had taken on some debt, and I had just got to the point where I, as Rod Reason, could not figure it out. And... I come into the office, I do my devotions in the morning, and I was just on my knees, and I just cried out to the Lord, why? And uh, through a lot of time, just with the Lord at that day, um, just came to the, the conviction that, well, do you want me to answer this at 10% or do you want me to answer it at 90%? And uh, really was convicted I was not giving my 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've heard, um, and I happen to believe this, that one of the kind of manifestations of that kind of transition is like, when something's not going well, maybe a deal isn't coming through, or maybe the right people don't seem to be coming along, we tend to hold on to it a little less, right? A little less emotion, our fists open up a little bit, and we don't try to control everything, right? Mm-hmm. And we we kind of go with the flow a little bit more, like, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you. Was that your story as well? Were you able to begin to just let go and let loose a little bit? For, for those that know me, I am a very hard worker, and so I I put a lot of faith in my own ability yeah. um, to get things done. Some of the Bible verses that I cling to, even in our hiring process and at the things, are the parable of the five talents, and I have this aspiration to be a five-talent guy. I don't know if I am, but that's my aspiration, mm-hmm. and so I try to lean on my own understanding an awful lot, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it was kind of that realization that, holy cow what am I? Um, If I continue to lean on my own understanding, I don't know anything. If I want to be a five-talent individual, then that means releasing control, as you've just talked about. And, you know, the light didn't come down, the the, the ceiling didn't open up, but it was a big turning point for me. And my wife can attest to that. Yeah, I can relate to that. You know, even for me, when you've done something long enough and you're good at it, it is very easy to rely on the flesh. And we can sound spiritual, like, oh, I'm trusting God, God, you've got this, but we really go about it ourselves. You know, I was even thinking about that as I was driving over for this interview today, was just praying and asking the Lord for guidance, for wisdom. You know, if I were going to be like 100% gut-level honest, you know, when my pride kicks in, it's like, I don't really need to pray about that. I've done this 100 times. Why do I need to pray about it? Well, I think that's part of that total submission, because I want to ask the Lord for new revelation, new insight, new development. And that's what we're talking about here. That's moving from the the 10 to the all in. Right. I love that. So you, you mentioned this five talent kind of guy. And what are maybe a couple of biblical principles that are really foundational for you and your leadership that you hold on to? So the parable of the five talents is just one that I, I love the analogy, because in biblical times, it wasn't uncommon for a master, just a boss, to leave town to go trade yeah. and to leave the, the organization or business into the hands of his his hired hands at the time. That's no different than what we see today. You know, we don't use the term servant um, or master anymore, but the, the analogy is 
could identical. So when we think about who we as as men want to be, do you want to be considered the one talent guy? (laughs) No. You know, the the guy that takes the talent and digs a hole in the sand because he's fearful um, or even a two talent. The whole analogy between the two talent guy and the five talent and the parable, they both return double the talents that they were given. But so that's one of them, the parable of the five talents. Um, As far as another principle, I guess I'd point to two biblical characters that I just love. Okay. Um, From men in the workplace would be. Joseph and Daniel. Oh, good. They're both godly men, obviously, yep. from our biblical knowledge of them, but they were taken into captivity. And both of them, not because of their situation, their upbringing, but because of adversity, actually rose up because they were good men of character. And one of the things I was challenged with early on, about that same time that I was going through this whole 9010 thing, was this thinking that I had growing up that you couldn't be in vocation and be fully sold out for God, mm-hmm. that you somehow needed to be a missionary or a pastor or in you know full-time um, service, and you couldn't be in vocation. And I really I struggled with that yeah, right, uh, mentally right. a long time. And yet you hear two biblical examples here of men that weren't in biblical ministry, per se, but who rose up in command because of the work that they did, yeah. and God honored them um, because of that, and obviously gave them an opportunity to be a testimony. Uh, those are absolutely stellar uh, examples of that, and, and <laughs> you know, I remember that too, kind of like being under the impression that the, the holy people become missionaries and pastors, and the rest of us schmucks are just supposed to make the money to support him, and boy, that is such a lie that Satan loves to to, to throw out on us. So, so Rod, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the difficulty of living out our faith in business. You know, so you mentioned, you know, you've had this solid Christian foundation, went to a very conservative Christian college, right? So you've got those foundational pieces, but I'm sure it's not always been easy living out your faith. What maybe is one or two difficult decisions that you've been through? where your faith really guided the difficult parts for it? So th- this is a tough one to answer because um, each day um, we're, we're growing a, a very fast scaling business. We were at around nine employees this time two years ago. I think we just hired employee number 90 or something. So mm-hmm. we're, we're very quickly growing. So the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 verses, why a lot of people use those as a uh, their life verses is the whole idea of leaning not into thine own understanding. So there's obviously the biblical context to that verse of leaning not into your own knowledge and your own understanding. Um, but when we when we bring in groups of people, one of the things that I challenge them with is that, um, especially interns, is yeah. you as an intern are going to walk in and hopefully we as a company can challenge you. But um, one of the things that I know about just our human minds and our own experience is that the more experience I have, the more closed-minded I become to new ideas. And so you, as interns, need to challenge us, otherwise we are going to continue operating on the things that have worked and become less and less innovative. So the difficulty, I don't know that there's one specific one um, that we can point out. I'd say that the the difficulty is not leaning on your own understanding and making sure that you're praying through situations, that you're always seeking wise counsel, surrounding yourself with, with other wisdom which is a couple of the points that we'll talk about here in a minute. This may be a a curveball question, and I don't mean it to be one that's going to trip you up, but it's actually just struck me as I'm listening to the conversation. So your business is about data. Your business is about facts. It's about detail and making scientifically-based 
statistically based decisions. Did I have that part right so far? Sure. Okay. How does that balance out with living a life of faith? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I love... Okay, so background story here. Um, I had benefit consulting firm, yeah. financial planning, 401k, and then some real estate. In 2010, uh, my wife and I started to pray about... We just felt our, our nest being... Um, stirred a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. In March of that year, we were literally in our closet, and I said, honey, I think it's time that we sell this business. The very next day, I get a wrong number phone call hmm. from what ended up being our acquirer that Thanksgiving. During that process, we learned an awful lot. You'd think that selling a business, and any of those that are listening here says, wow, you sold a business. You live your life as a business owner, kind of leading up to that stage, but you don't ask what next. And I didn't ask myself what next. And I was in the financial planning business asking people about (laughs) what next. So so it was really interesting that I wasn't even prepared. Uh, December 1st, I walked in that day and I had these 17 people that I had been growing as my team members and they were all gone. And I was in a 6,200 square foot office building by myself. And I've spent a couple of years just not knowing what I was going to do. I was over at I won't name the the business, but I was having my tires done and I walked over to Lowe's and to shorten the story here, talked with a guy and he said, Hey, I'm going through the same situation, but I've been reading this book called in a pit with a lion on a snowy day by Mark Patterson. And, uh, I said, okay. So I walked up to Barnes and Noble and bought the book, sat there and started reading the first couple chapters. And I was completely aghast. It's like he wrote that book for you. It was crazy. Um, So that book um, actually was the genesis of what became Springbuck. So I had always started businesses on my own, had used my own capital, my own wherewithal. And I really felt like God was saying, all right, I want you to start a software company with zero software experience. And I want you to go raise investment capital with zero investment capital experience. And that led to a, uh, a really interesting conversation with my wife, and uh, we jumped out on that journey, just not living by fear. I love it. I have this statement I've said for a few years, every one of us should have to do three things at the course of our lifetime. Uh, we should have to join the military to learn respect, right? We should have to take missions trips to learn gratitude, and we should have to become an entrepreneur and start a business to learn faith. To learn faith. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So that is absolutely perfect answer to the question about even though your business model is data-driven, statistics-driven, facts, and so forth, and making decisions on certainty, right, for your clients— it was a faith journey that brought you to that point, and that's 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 a beautiful story. I appreciate you sharing that. That's good stuff. So as you as you look back, not maybe within the context of Springbuck, but just look back over the entire course of your career, what's the biggest mistake you can recall making in business? How did your faith play a role of getting you through that? So biggest mistake was uh, starting a business with someone I shouldn't have started a business with. And uh, I knew it was the wrong decision, but I talked to myself. I rationalized. You knew it at the time? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But rationalized that it was okay, and uh, it turned out to be a disaster. So we don't need to reveal the facts and names and so forth, but that right there is probably a great point for us to just park on for just a moment, because there's probably somebody right now listening to this conversation, and they're weighing through a partnership, bringing on a key person in their company, a key hire, a deal, or whatever. What was it in the moment that you, what were the traits, what were the things that indicated to you, this is not the right person, and yet, why did you do it anyway? I think uh, a lot of entrepreneurs are builders and fixers, and uh, we unfortunately bring that over to people sometimes. And 
this particular situation was one where I felt like I could fix this person, that they were on a path to be more ethical. And I knew them to be an untrustworthy person and they had a reputation of being so. So I felt like somehow my uh, hmm. huge personality, which... Uh, um, Sounds like missionary dating oh here. Oh my gosh. It was, <laughs> uh, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but... Um, Fair enough. So I'm, I'm thinking of the, the verse in Proverbs, I believe it's uh, 10, 22, that says that the blessings of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it. But yet, when there's that trouble being added, that's like the Holy Spirit speaking, right? And every once in a while, we just choose to ignore it, and it sounds like, hey, welcome to the club, right? No, yeah. you don't have carte blanche on that. No, no. Plenty of mistakes. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay. What do you wish someone had told you in your first year of entrepreneurial lifestyle? What do you wish somebody would have told you that you didn't know? This comes out of uh, Mark Batterson's book, okay. In a Pit with a Lion. But I think the biggest thing I took from that book is just living without fear. And uh, it doesn't mean being haphazard, Uh but I wish someone would have given me the advice to chase the dream, chase the lion, which is his follow-up book, um, and having a little bit more faith that if God is going to send you down this path, he's also going to equip you um, along that way. And we oftentimes expect to be fully equipped before we go on the journey, and that's just not how business works. That's not how the the walk of faith works. Yeah. And so along those lines, how would you kind of help me understand the difference between fear and wisdom and discernment? In other words, I've got this opportunity, I've got this decision or whatever. When is it faith and when is it just like I'm being wise by holding off? Do you have any thoughts on that? My mother actually gave me some really good advice, um, and so she's listening. Thanks, Mom. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I had an offer to sell a company in 2008, the same year that we were having some financial struggles. Uh, But the company that was going to be buying us was, in essence, going to terminate all the employees and take the assets and then put me as this new practice leader. And I was walking in, they had flown in on their private jet. I was walking in to actually get the deal done. And I was sitting in the car with zero peace, zero. And uh, I called my mom as I was sitting there and I said, what should we do? What should I do? And she says, if it's not of God, you will have no peace. If it's of God, you will have peace. And I walked in and I told these guys no, and they were infuriated. Oh, I can only imagine. They were infuriated. But I knew it was the right thing to do. And folks, you're I'm looking in Rod's eyes and it's emotional. This is a real this is real as it gets right there, right? And that God gave you that answer and that. So what happened? You kept the company and eventually sold, right? Kept the company um two years later and yeah. sold sold it for quite a bit more than what we would have. And uh all of the employees were taken care of. Um that was just something that we my wife and I prayed for three things specifically wow. that I wouldn't go with the deal, yep. which is unusual for the the entrepreneur not to go with the deal. Correct. Um, but I built a really good company, had an incredible team. Um, I wanted the team to to be fully taken care of, uh, meaning that they would either get a promotion or move into the next role or be taken care of in some fashion. And then we had a certain number that we were trying to hit, and all three um, came through. Sounds like the faithfulness and obedience, God had a special plan for that. So that's, that's a great, great example, because uh, you could have, round one of that was sitting on the table, right? But you just, in your car... Didn't have peace. And so let's transition that to advice. Let's say that there's somebody listening right now to the conversation that you and I are having. And again, they've got a big decision. They've got a big opportunity. And something just inside of them, they're sitting in their car maybe right now, and they're going, I know what Rod's talking about. I don't have that peace. But it's such a big deal. It'll never happen like this again. I'll never have this chance. 
What advice would you have for someone who's in that place as they're listening to this conversation? What legacy do you want to leave? You know, at the end of the day, I wanted to be able to post sale. I wanted to be able to see any one of these members of this team in the grocery store or at a park and know that they would want to not avoid me. And not just for personally seeing them, but as a Christian, we do more than just wear this badge of Christianity on our on our shirt sleeve. You know, for me, that's like, it's not my name that really matters. It's going to be the name of Christ. And if I sell this business and I make a lot of money, who cares if you leave this such a, a horrible name for the name of Christ? That's that's good stuff right there. And I, I've got a feeling that somebody listening right now just got a word of encouragement. So that's what we're about here at Bottom Line Faith is being a word of encouragement. Okay. So Rod, this is what we call our 423 question. It's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Solomon writes these words. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for all of life flows from it. What I'd like you to do is imagine for a moment that you have a chance, it's towards the tail end of this side of eternity, and it's in your final days of life here on earth, and you have a chance to gather your family, your friends, your loved ones, those who are most precious to you, and you have enough breath in you that you can pass along one piece of advice. So what I'd like you to do, Rod, is I'd like you to just fill in the blank. What would you advise above all else? Well, what's interesting is my one thing is actually your verse. We're in the data business, as you mentioned, and garbage in is garbage out. So as a believer or as a human being, what you allow in your mind and your ears will be what comes out. Mm. So the Bible so masterfully articulates that if you do not keep your heart with all diligence, obviously the issues of life come out of that, but what comes in absolutely will come out. So above all else, <laughs> guard this rascal. Guard the rascal. Guard yeah. it. Guard what's going in it. Rod, thanks so much for being on the program today. Is there any additional thoughts, thing you'd like to share that we haven't talked about today? Well, you know, the only other thing I'd mention just in preparation for this is the whole advice piece. Um, okay. There are three principles that I lead my life on. That's number one, is mm-hmm. is the garbage in, garbage out, keeping your heart with all diligence. Um, number two is the whole idea of sharpening your saw. You know, I think as believers, that's paramount. It comes down to the parables of the five talents. Being recognized in the workplace as that individual, that Daniel or Joseph, yeah. we should be, um, if you're continuing to sharpen your saw. And then as a, a man and um, you know, as a leader, I think surrounding yourself with great people um, that can challenge you, can hold you accountable, is of paramount degree. Fantastic. Well, folks, I'm really glad we had a chance to sit down with Rod today. And, and again, one more time, I just want to direct you to their website at springbuck.com. And is there a way to contact you directly there? Can they leave you a message to let them know how much they enjoyed the program today? You can find me on LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. And uh, my contact information is there. Fantastic. So thank you for being on the program today. Thank you. Well, folks, thank you for joining us here at Bottom Line Faith. Check out the website, bottomlinefaith.org. Dozens and dozens of interviews there as well. And if you're not a regular subscriber, why not become one today? Go to uh, your, your platform of choice, whether you're on Google Play or iTunes, Stitcher, whatever the case may be. Sign up, become a regular listener, because you will get an episode like the one we just had with Rod every week. And we've had a chance to interview some of the most amazing Christian business and marketplace leaders around the country. And so until next time, I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to faithfully serve the Lord every day in the marketplace. See you next time. 
Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes. 